0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today
1: podcast from CBS Sports. Oh,
2: and first pitch, rushing deep left field. This is
1: way Welcome. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: Finally, Christian Encarnacion-Strand is headed to the Cincinnati Reds. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, July 17th. I am Frank Stample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, a huge weekend of news. That's right. Just mentioned it. Encarnacion Strand is getting the call. Grayson Rodriguez is headed back to the Baltimore Orioles. Shane Bieber is hurt. We'll talk about all that. The Pirates are calling up all of their prospects and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Let's just jump right in because, as I mentioned, there's a lot to get to. First and foremost, see E.S. Encarnación Trend getting called up to the Reds. The 23 year old tore it up during spring training, and then he did the same thing in the minors this season. He was batting 331 with 20 homers, a 1042 OPS. The plate discipline has been solid and improving throughout the season. He's hitting the ball really hard. 56% rostered. Scott, we'll start with you. Is Encarnación Trend a must add in all leagues?
1: First of all, I just want to say I'm so happy right now. This is like my happiest day of the season, I think. I have him stashed away in at least four leagues already. And in a couple of them, I may have had Encarnacion Strand stashed away from the draft, from Same. the initial draft. Same. <laughs> uh, because he was so impressive in spring training that it looked like he might just win a job then. And then, you know, he Votto came back almost but then got hurt again. But by that point, Encarnacion strand was hurt. And then he finally came back in late April at AAA, And we still thought he'd beat Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean and Andrew Abbott to the majors. And he did it. He did it, but he's here now. And I am really excited about this player. He has incredible power, it, it, which, you know, was on display in spring training. I mean, it was just, the impact he made over that short, like he was, he was the talk of the first half of spring training before he got sent down. Just the, the way his home runs looked every day. He seemed to do something big and, you know, it seems silly. I know to talk about spring training here in July, but then he just kept doing it at triple a. And like, he was amazing last year in the minors too. Uh, it's just, you know, bad plate discipline and, and kind of came out of nowhere. And so people weren't really sure what to make of Encarnacion strand at this point, at, at that point. But I think, I think for the most part, everyone's come around to the idea that he's a pretty special hitter. He's incomparable in some ways because he's such a good bad ball hitter. And so that kind of made it so, all right, yeah, the plate discipline is bad, but, you know, he's so good at, at impacting the ball when it's outside of the strike zone, kind of like Vladimir Guerrero Sr., you know, he kind of had that quality going for him that maybe it doesn't really matter that much, and maybe that explains why he's so productive. You know, I've already talked about the power Encarnacion Strand has. He hit 322 over his minor league career and more than 800 plate appearances in the minors. He hit 322. And that puts him in such rare company for batting average over hitters that have gotten that many plate appearances in the minors. It's it's like Mike Trout and Julio Rodriguez and Jose Altuve. Like, those are the only, only, only kinds of guys who over that span of time in the minors put up a batting average on about the same level as... Christian Encarnacion Strand so like he's not just a one-trick pony with the power and I mentioned okay yeah plate discipline is a problem for him but as you mentioned Frank even that's gotten better lately he had three walks over his first 28 games he had 30 walks over his last 39 games compared to 38 strikeouts in those last 39 games so I don't know. He's impressive. There is a question of playing time, I guess, with Christian Encarnacion Strand because he's limited defensively. That's that's why he doesn't show up as high on like traditional prospect l- lists. He's played some third base in the minors, better at first base. But the Reds don't have a dedicated DH. And I I looked at, you know, like where they've been playing Spencer uh steer lately, mostly left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, it seemed like they were reluctant to play him that regularly behind the plate. That's increased lately. Like, it seemed like they were gearing up to make this move with the idea that DH would be primarily occupied by Encarnacion Strand going forward. So that's what I think is going to happen. Hopefully he still picks up first base eligibility in short order because I know a lot of people have a need there. But it may not be quite every day that he plays at the start, but the more he delivers on his production, obviously, the more he'll be in the lineup. And the same way they figured it out with Ellie De La Cruz coming up and, oh, how are they going to make everybody fit there? I think they'll make it fit with Encarnacion Strand, too.
0: I think so, too. And I think they can find a way to bench one player, you know, every couple of days, whether it's like a Votto or... I mean, obviously, they're not going to bench the kids the way that they're playing right now, but I think they can find a way. Tyler Stevenson, one of those guys, to get Christian encarnacion Trend in the lineup consistently. Scott, I know you recently put out your top 50 prospects on the website, cbssports.com, and Christian encarnacion Strand ranked as your 12th prospect uh, on that top 50 list. So people could go check that out on the site. Uh, Chris. I was
1: tempted to put him any higher, but I was kind of already out on a limb by putting him as high as 12th. Like, like I said, I think it's that defensive hit him being so far down the defensive spectrum that that puts him lower on some lists. And there,
2: there are other questions beyond that. I think, you know, one thing that like, I, I kind of don't want to talk about him because I feel like we're being so positive and everyone's very excited, but like we do have to talk about the downside. And I I think part of it is that like, it feels like a little bit of a sweaty move from the Reds. If you get what I mean, like all of a sudden they score three runs in the first series of the, after the all-star break. And we go from getting a report like 10 days ago that it would be really, really unlikely that Christian Encarnacion gets called up without an injury to He's here now, so it feels a little, like, panicky, which makes me think that there might not be a long leash and that they're going to, like, really try to get him going. But if he doesn't, it could go south quickly in terms of playing time. And then there's also just the contact rates. The strikeout rate's actually not that bad, but the in-zone contact rate in particular, you know, you mentioned the chase rate, Scott, but he he swings at 38% of balls out of the strike zone this season, which is a really, really high number. But also... His contact rate on swings inside of the strike zone, according to uh, prospects live has the stack data 82.8% on end zone contact rate, which is like a little bit better than Joe Adele so far in AAA. but like, that's been the big issue for Joe Adele has been just like when he hits the ball, he hits the ball really far. It's just, he misses pitches that he should hit. And that combined with having, I don't know the, 15th highest out of zone swing rate. It looks like 21st out of 359 players. It's a a little concerning like that. That's a red flag for me. So it is. I I, I do think none of this is to say you shouldn't add him.
1: He's such a good bad ball hitter. Probably helps to to make up for it. (laughs) It's
2: just the bad balls in the minors are a little easier to hit. You know, like a lot of guys throwing hard in the minors. But every team in baseball has got seven guys throwing 98 out of the pen now. So I just, it's not to say you shouldn't add him. But, and I think this goes without saying, hopefully. We'll we'll see what the comments say. But I think it goes without saying at this point that there are no guarantees when it comes to to the highly touted prospects. Some of them hit the ground running and are amazing and difference makers for fantasy. Some of them are fine. And then some of them completely bust out. We've seen the whole spectrum this mm-hmm. year. And I think it is likelier than not that Christian Encarnacion is just fine the rest of the season. That he's like a fringe starting caliber fantasy option. That's the likeliest outcome. But we're not just playing likeliest outcomes. Right. Yeah. So, like, yes, there there's I, a chance he hits 16 homers over the rest of the season and drives in 45 runs and is a huge difference maker. So that that's what you're chasing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. The and and I've been pretty consistent with that in my approach to prospect call ups this year, uh, at, at least since since uh, Jordan Walker. But I would say of the players who have come up in season, Incarnacion Strand ranks only second to Eddie De La Cruz for me in terms of how excited I am about him.
0: Chris, I I appreciate your objectivity, but also like. Boo this man. Boo this man. (laughs) I get it. I get
1: it. That's what the
2: comments are saying right now. That's, Uh, that's I I hate baseball. Chris is always hating. Uh, Yeah. It's like,
0: okay. It it is a good balance though, because we do need to talk about obviously some of the downsides here with Encarnacion trend, but of course, I think you should go out and add him. He's 56% rostered and we've talked about him all season. And I think he possesses mm. a lot of upside, uh, especially with the power in that ballpark playing in Cincinnati. The ballpark I just wish he was
1: lot. already eligible at first base. Like how crazy is that? At first it seemed like we were happy he retained third base eligibility from last year. And, and now it's like, no, I really wish he already had first base.
0: Yep. Grayson Rodriguez is also returning to the Orioles on Monday. Cole Irvin will move to the bullpen and in seven starts since getting back down to uh, Getting sent back down to the minors, Grayson Rodriguez had a 169 ERA, a .99 whip, 54 strikeouts over 37 and a third innings, 13K per nine, but also 3.6 walks per nine. So he's clearly been much better, but the walks still might be an issue uh, when he does get back to the Orioles. He's 66% rostered. Uh, Chris, would you, let's just say you can only add one, would you put more of an emphasis on adding Grayson Rodriguez over a Christian Encarnacion trend?
2: Would you like me to be annoying? Sure. Depends Uh, if you need a pitcher. uh, No,
0: I, I I think, I
2: I think Grayson Rodriguez is a better prospect. Um, I don't know if people need pitchers more than hitters right now. I I think I would go with Rodriguez,
1: but it's pretty close. I mean, that's what I was going to say is I feel like everybody could use a pitcher when not everybody can necessarily use a power hitter or a corner infielder or whatever. Um, I, a, a couple of. A couple of things I want to say here about Grayson Rodriguez. You, you pointed out how impressive he was in the minors. Part of the reason that has me so encouraged is that's the first time he really looks like Grayson Rodriguez mm-hmm. since he suffered that strain last June. Because when he came back late that minor league season, didn't look right. And then he didn't look right this spring. And he obviously didn't look right the, the two months he was in the majors. So I, I really feel like, you know, and I'm hopeful that Grayson Rodriguez got back to being Grayson Rodriguez during this stint at AAA, I know he was given specific things to work on, such as fastball command and regaining the shape of his breaking balls. This is a guy that was supposed to have a full arsenal of swing and miss pitches, and that's not really what it looked like during his time in the majors. You mentioned the walk rate was kind of high, but he threw 66% of his pitches for strikes down at AAA, which is good. And... Um, I'm hopeful this goes a lot better than it did uh, the first time around. And I, I, think, I think it's easier, as, as excited as I am about Encarnacion Strand, I think it's easier to say add Grayson Rodriguez across the board just because regardless of what format you're playing in, you could use an upside pitcher. The, the one issue is, is like it's, it's kind of frustrating because he's going to be lined up for two starts in his first week back. It's against the Dodgers and Rays, yeah. Oh, so Oof. you you probably can't use them for those two starts. It'd be really, really gutsy to do that. But, but on, man, on, if on he if he goes side, out tonight
2: and puts in a good start, you're going to feel real good about it, right? Exactly. Like
1: yeah, if, if if he delivers against those two teams, and, and you didn't pick him up, well, he, you're, yeah, you're going to be I, feeling I, bad about that.
2: I think in both CS and Grayson Rodriguez's case, pick him up, like. It could go poorly. Grayson Rodriguez. It's hard to overstate how bad he was, but I'll for some context, he gave up a fifty-three percent hard hit rate. Mike Trout's at fifty-two point seven percent this year. He gave up a four seventy-nine expected Woban contact. Freddie Freeman's is four seventy-one. <laughs> he was he was really really bad. So yeah. it could go really poorly again. But I I think there's a lot to like. He was one of my breakout picks for the second half. Uh, I know you guys did that on the podcast. I wrote about that for the. Newsletter last week. Um, You can see that on CBS Sports. But yeah, he's I I think he's there. There's still a very decent chance that we're talking about him as a top 25 starter for next season.
0: Let me throw a few names your way. Would you drop Luis Severino to add Grace Rodriguez?
2: Yes. Yeah, I still don't want to drop Severino, but we've seen nothing.
0: Would you drop Michael Kopech, who? Yeah, it's not really his fault, but yeah, he got hit hard. No, it's (laughs) It's it's not his fault. fault. Well, he's going against the Braves, right? I feel like I could just. I, oh, wow. I,
1: sure, but. He, he hasn't been going against the Braves every start lately. And, it, and Mike, his
0: velocity
2: wasn't back after the IL stint, which I think is the the bigger. I, the I'm results even, are bad, but
1: yeah. It, it, it's less the velocity for me than in his last four starts 13 innings. Walks, yeah. 20 walks oh, in 13 innings. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, it, it could. He could turn on a dime again, just like he did, you know, a couple months ago. But like he's unstartable right now, and I I think to get Grayson Rodriguez on your roster, I'd be willing to drop Kopek. And Kopech only has a fastball, really. Two
0: other names: Lance Lynn and Taj Bradley. Drop both for Grayson Rodriguez. Bradley, yes. Agreed. Agreed on agreed on
2: everything You're Scott drop said there.
1: Lynn? I mean Lynn's been. I would do it. He's he's looked better lately. Uh like I. I Scott, I guess if it's the kind of league where Lynn is somebody you could realistically consider dropping, then it doesn't hurt to drop him for Grayson Rodriguez. But like, I don't want to drop Lance Lynn. I'm more willing to drop Severino than Lynn.
0: All right, the big yeah, in- I agree with that. The big injury from the weekend was Shane Bieber, who went to the IL Saturday with right elbow inflammation and will be shut down from throwing for the next two weeks. And I just thinking out loud, wondering. If maybe he's been pitching through this for some time, because if you look at his last five starts, Shane Bieber had a 522 ERA, and we know the underlying number is not getting many whiffs this year. Velocity has been down the past couple of years, uh, giving up harder contact this season as well. So I just kind of wonder if Bieber's been pitching through this for quite some time. The obvious answer, response is, you know, if you lost him, go out and add Grayson Rodriguez. I think that makes some sense. Uh, I don't know that there's anything else to add other than I don't know that we'll see Shane Bieber again this season. Based on this
2: injury, I mean, there's an it's entirely possible. I mean, you, you figure in a best case scenario, he's back mid August. And so any type of setback starts to put the rest of the season in question.
0: Yeah. And it's bad timing, too, just in general, because I know he was a name kind of being floated out there for the mm-hmm. trade deadline, too. So that obviously throws a wrench in things for the Cleveland Guardians as well. Other prospecty things from this weekend, Oswald Peraza was recalled from AAA with Josh Donaldson landing on the IL. Peraza played 45 games at AAA this season. He was batting 261 with 12 home runs, 11 steals, and an 847 OPS. Uh, average exit velocity is very underwhelming, but the max EV looks a little bit better. Scott, any interest in adding Oswald Peraza? He's 17% rostered.
1: Do you do you think he's going to play all that regularly?
0: So I was watching the Yankee game Sunday, and the broadcast mentioned that Aaron Boone said Peraza is going to get opportunities at third base, shortstop, and second base. So maybe he sits out one game per week, but I think they'll find ways to get him in the lineup. Personally,
1: yeah, I mean, I am lukewarm on Peraza at this point. Uh, I would have put him in my Preseason top fifty, barely. If he qualified for my preseason top fifty, and I, I basically didn't include anyone who has appeared in the majors already, um, but I showed where they would have ranked if 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 they hadn't appeared in the majors already. And Peraza was like at the very bottom of the top fifty, so I'm pretty lukewarm. And you know, if if it's a roto league and you need middle infield help, okay, take a shot on him, see how it goes. But beyond that, like I I'd probably put him in the same category as like a Zach Galoff who. I wasn't crazy about either
2: process minor league numbers are kind of wild, like better than I thought they were 32 homers, 46 steals and 152 games at AAA is kind of nuts.
0: He also has third base eligibility on CBS already. So he has corner and he has middle, I think in deeper leagues, I picked him up in my NFBC main event league. That's a 15 team roto league. I spent $7 out of a thousand dollar budget. So just a small spec ad and, We'll see if you know, Oswald Peraza could play consistently for the New York Yankees. I mentioned earlier the Pirates are promoting all of their prospects. <laughs> Three different names are coming up on Monday joining the team. First up is pitching prospect Quinn Priester, who will make his debut on Monday. He's a former first-round pick from 2019. 22 years old, this season in the minors, a 4.31 ERA, a 136 whip. Nearly a strikeout per inning. The walks have been a problem for him. 3.6 walks for nine. He's known for a nasty curveball. Uh, and the numbers have been better in previous seasons. He, You know, he's kind of uh, fallen flat here in 2023. Chris, any interest in Quinn Priester uh, as a deeper league ad? No, I think this is strictly a
2: a watch and see kind of situation. If he, you know, the minor league numbers aren't all that impressive. And, you know if he if he shows something the first start we'll we'll go out for him, but no i don't I don't see much reason.
1: my understanding is priester's more of a floor guy anyway ground ball specialist um I
0: don't and, think he throws like, particularly hard either,
1: and he does you know for being for being a floor guy a ground ball specialist who's not gonna get a ton of strikeouts the walks are too high, so yeah i would I would bet against him having a an impact, at least in standard size leagues for the rest of the season.
0: The two hitting prospects that the Pirates are also calling up catcher Andy Rodriguez and middle infield prospect Leover Poguero and Andy Rodriguez. We know there was a lot of hype coming into the season. He had a monster year last year in the minors. He has not lived up to that so far this year. 268 batting average, six home runs, four steals and a 771 OPS Uh, Poguero, 22 years old, Has some power and speed. 13 homers, 21 steals in the minors this year. Uh, Known for his um, speed more than anything else. I noticed he's got a 60 run tool according to MLB Pipeline. Scott, any interest here in Andy Rodriguez and Leover Paguero?
1: I have basically no interest in Paguero outside of the deepest leagues. Uh, Andy Rodriguez... I feel like I'm missing information on him that makes him difficult to assess because, yes, he was ridiculous. Uh, last year hit uh, – let me see if I can find the exact number last year. Last year, he Andy Rodriguez for the Pirates hit 323 overall in the minors, 399 over his final 46 games with tons of power. 399 with 16 home runs, I think it was, over his final 46 games. Came in – with a lot of hype, was ranked ahead of Henry Davis on a lot of preseason lists, um, just looked like somebody on the ascent. He began this year with a forearm injury, I believe it was. And I just wonder if that lingered and, and impacted his production because his production was bad at AAA and not just like the baseline production, the, the, the front-facing production, but 866 Miles per hour is the average exit velocity for Andy Rodriguez at AAA. And I don't have his exit velocity readings for last year, but I have to think they were better than that for him to get as much enthusiasm from the 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 prospect analysts as he did, as, as for his scouting reports to be as glowing as they were. Um, so I wondered if if health was playing a factor in his poor production. And having said that, his last 14 games prior to this call up, maybe the impetus for the call up, Andy Rodriguez hit 373 with two home runs and six doubles, more walks than strikeouts in, in his last 14 games. So maybe he turned the corner. Maybe he's uh, maybe the Pirates see him looking more like he did last year. The fact that he's a catcher and the threshold for Fantasy relevance is so low at that position. I, I think it makes Indy Rodriguez, you know, must add in like a two-catcher league. Uh, I, I can't say I'm I, – I, I can't I say like I, I feel great about his chances of delivering big, but like there there is potential there. And, and you know, if, if it was the forearm that was limiting his production early, then I may be underselling him.
0: All right. Again, the prospects calling up three prospects on Monday. It sounds like Andy Rodriguez is the one that we're most excited about. Quinn Priester, Andy Rodriguez, and Leo Paguero. Chris, God bless you. I saw that. And uh, let's take our first break. And when we return, we'll get into the rest of the weekend's action. Oh, my goodness gracious. All that fun stuff. We'll do it right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. Also, Homes.com Collaboration Tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the new balance fuel cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. Welcome back and a quick reminder to download and follow our five minute podcast, Fantasy Baseball Today in Five. If you're watching us live on YouTube, you can scan the QR code that will take you right to the podcast feed. We usually touch on the biggest topics, uh, hottest players, waiver wire, all that fun stuff. And it's only five minutes. So make sure to download Fantasy Baseball Today in Five. And with that, let's jump in. Oh my good, goodness gracious. a girl, Susan. Chris, you are up. Oh my goodness gracious. Player from the weekend.
2: I believe I said I was going to go with Cutter Crawford, and that is who I'm going to go with. Boston Red Sox pitcher who, funny enough, does throw a cutter. Love that about him. Uh, He had nine strikeouts in six innings today against the Cubs, also walked four, gave up one hit. And it was interesting because early on, he wasn't really pitching all that well, got some pretty lucky or good, well-timed double plays, let's say, to get out of some trouble. His velocity was down about a mile and a half. Uh, in this start, but he got the nine strikeouts and the really interesting thing about him is he introduced a sweeper uh, in early June and it's looked like an outstanding pitch for him It had 43% whiff rate entering today's start and then he got six whiffs on just eight of them today. Now, I think there are some issues with his overall uh, movement profile, you know, if you're going to introduce a sweeper and use it more Kind of moves the same way as the cutter. He's got a four seamer. He doesn't have anything that really goes the other way. But uh, that sweeper looks really, really interesting, and it's the kind of pitch that I'd like to see him throw more. Obviously, just throw your best pitch more is like the the dumb guy smart analysis. But like maybe it works. You know, it's something that I think he should consider. And given the success with the pitch. As early as we are in the process of him throwing it again, he he introduced it in early June. Uh,
1: maybe he can be Sweeper Crawford. I think that's <laughs> smart analysis. That is smart guy analysis. Throw your best pitch more. I resent that.
0: I was going to say, Chris, <laughs> are you mocking us like this very podcast by saying? <laughs> yeah, that? I mean, well, that's
2: yeah, that's that's kind of like what pitching analysis is. It's just like, oh, he's got one pitch. Throw him more,
1: and it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's oversimplifying. There are reasons why that might not work, though. I think in most cases, it's it's probably a good idea, and the pitch uh, is just it's just really good. Yeah, I, I, the fact he's throwing it eight times like that's that's reason. But you know, this was actually the subject of the topic of conversation um, after the game. Uh, the Red Sox, particularly pitching coach Dave Bush, was commenting on how. Cutter Crawford has like this wide variety of pitches and mm-hmm. like figuring out the best ones to throw in which scenario is something he's still working on. And Crawford himself said said we want to stay away from the jello, referring to the the pitches that are gonna get crushed. Oh, sure. Which I thought was kind of funny. I, I've okay. always been like I, I feel like Carter, uh Cutter Crawford's always been on the fringes of fantasy relevance for me because like he gets a lot of whiffs and he doesn't walk many guys and usually mm-hmm. a great combination. So I'm, I'm not saying this is the start that's going to propel him to fantasy success, but it, it's worth taking note of. Cause I just, I, I don't think it's just like a random fluke either.
0: Yeah. He gets whiffs cutter Crawford keeps the walks down and he's done a much better job limiting hard contact this season as well. His expected ERA entering Sunday was 3.68. That's, that's a pretty valuable pitcher if he can get to that level. So uh, I don't, know that he's like a must add or anything but i think in deeper leagues if he's out there or if you just have a bench spot and you want to speculate cutter crawford 16 percent rostered going up
1: against the new york mets this
0: week scott you were up oh my goodness gracious i think you and i owe this gentleman an apology
1: yeah we do we owe alec marsh an apology because uh as recently as our last show we were talking about how bad the royals pitching staff was and Not able to remember if his name was Alex or Alec Marsh, but it's Alec Marsh. And he sure showed us because Alec Marsh, uh, trying to remember what day it was, Saturday or Sunday, it was Saturday. Alec Marsh struck out 11 against the Rays in six innings, allowed just two runs, walked only one. And I think that's the key for him because part of the reason we were inclined to be so dismissive of Alec Marsh Between double and triple-A this year, he had a 4.62 ERA and a 152 whip. Really bad numbers against much worse than Major League hitters. But his strikeout rates were always really good. And so, like, Alec Marsh has stuff. Of of those 15 swinging strikes that were responsible for the 11 strikeouts, nine of them came on the fastball itself. And when you can get whiffs with your fastball, that's an indication, I've always felt, of pretty good upside. My understanding is that he struggles with fastball command. In addition to having that high ERA and whip in the minors, Alec Marsh issued 4.5 walks per nine. So it's it's a similar situation to Edward Cabrera where, okay, yeah, good stuff, good potential for strikeouts, but if he's not throwing enough strikes with the fastball, uh, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. And for as good as Alec Marsh's stuff may be, it's not even as good as Edward Cabrera, as I feel confident saying. So um, I was... Interested in picking him up in some of my deeper leagues, my AL only, you know, threw a couple dollars at him and, and some of the 15 teamers. Uh, but yeah, I dropped like 12 in TGFBI. Did you get him? 15, yeah. You got him? Okay. So that, that's about what he went for in mine. I didn't bid quite that much. Just because everybody's hurting for pitching in those deep formats and, well, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle here. I would bet against it because of those longstanding command issues for Alec Marsh. But there is something here if uh, if you do want to speculate on upside.
0: Who would you rather take a shot on, Scott? Alec Marsh or Cutter Crawford?
1: I think Marsh, just because we've seen so much mediocrity from Crawford for so long. But, like, if, if you're asking me to bet who has better numbers rest of season, I, I would say Crawford. I'm just not sure those numbers are going to be good enough that he'll be worth your while either.
0: I think I would go with Crawford. It is close. Much better run support, too, with the Red Sox. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm leaning that way. But, yeah, it was a fantastic start by Alec Marsh, and he did it against the Tampa Bay Rays, too. So, let's see where he goes from here, uh, how he builds off that. Oh, my goodness gracious for me is Cody Bellinger, who had a monster weekend, a double dong on Friday, and their grand slam on Saturday. Lefty on lefty, he hit it off James Paxton. Cody Bellinger has five home runs over his last seven games. And I'm going to float a theory out there, and you guys can uh, react to it. But I wonder if maybe we're putting too much stock in quality of contact. Now hear me out. I think uh-huh. it's obviously a useful tool and I know there's probably so many people listening to this that are like, "Yeah, they finally said it." But th- hey. it's obvious that some players do outperform their quality of contact metrics, right? We've talked about Jose Altuve for years and obviously there are certain circumstances where that can happen where taking advantage of a short porch or a really good ballpark or pulling the ball to an extreme level. Someone tweeted this to me on Saturday and said they listen to the Cubs radio broadcast a lot and that Cody Bellinger uh, has a more contact oriented approach with two strikes this season. And a lot of the times when he gets to two strikes, he just is focusing on making contact. And even if it's like soft contact, that's what he wants to do. He wants to put the ball in play. So Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense to my mind. I'm like, yeah, that would be a reasonable theory for why his average average, Again, it's an average, so he could have balls that he crushes, and then he could have, you know, some of these two strike, you know, just soft contact hits that he puts in play, and obviously that'll drag the average exit velocity down. I just feel like probably you and I, Chris, we've been a little bit more harsh on Cody Bellinger, and we're just, like, not really well, buying into so, it. Uh, I, well, I, I but he just, just keeps hitting. I react That's to the that point. in particular, because
2: <clears throat> it would drag the average exit velocity down. It would also just drag the numbers down, right? Like, it isn't, like unless we like batters have control over where the ball goes, obviously that's, and we all agree with that. We all know that we all know that Babip is not just a random number generator. Some players can't, but like if he's just going with two strikes and trying to put the ball in play and like, okay, that seems like a reasonable approach change that a player would make, but I don't see why that would be an explanation for Bellinger outperforming performing like, his his expected stats to the extent that he is. Like all the things that you said about like a short porch or guys who are super pull heavy, like all of those things are reasons why players outperform their expected stats and sprint speed's another one, and you know, uh, but like most of that isn't really true for Cody Ballinger. And throughout his career, he's been a guy who pretty much plays to his expected stats. His expected WOBA for his career is 343. His, expect, his actual well before his career is 344. So I just, that's a possible explanation. I find, I, okay, here, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence is what I would say. And the claim being made is that Cody Bellinger is an outlier, that these tools and these methods of an, analyzing players that we apply to almost every player, Don't apply to Cody Bellinger. And that is possible. Like you said, there are players who who outperform their stats consistently. I think we need a good explanation for why Cody Bellinger is one of them now when he hasn't been in the past. And I think the likelier answer is that sometimes you just overperform or underperform, especially in 61 games. I I think the sample size is too small to say with any... Uh, confidence that there is something about Cody Bellinger that is sustainably going to allow him to continue to outperform. And look, expected WOBA is not gospel. It's a it's a tool and there are limitations to it. I, I made this point on Twitter today.
1: Uh, you, were, you were talking about expected batting. Some, yeah, someone Marcus had a... Had Marcus, Simeon's,
2: Marcus Simeon's home run... Would, would have been a home run in 15 of 30 Major League God, ballparks, right. and it had a .06 batting at, uh, expected, expected batting. At. Like
1: it would have to have at least a five hundred expected
2: <laughs> Right, at, and, and right? that's a limitation in XBA because XBA yeah. does not take into account the direction a ball is hit. It takes into account launch angle, and over the course of a large sample size, it tends to even out. And so tends I, it. I, I, it tends to. I acknowledge that's, that there are limitations in all of these stats, and, and they are not perfect. But again, I, I think we need good reason to believe a player is a an outlier. And I just don't think sixty games from Cody Bellinger is enough to say that.
1: Well, I haven't been here for a lot of the Cody Bellinger controversy. I think I think the last you heard from me about Cody Bellinger, I just said yeah, I want to wait and see cuz there there are th- reasons to be skeptical but he started off the year great and you know I was mostly buying into it then and there was re- and the same issues existed then. So I just you know I just kind of want to wait and see how it goes. And then he's gone on to have this amazing month of July. So you know my my perspective on Cody Bellinger is is basically like unless it's an obvious sell high I'm probably just gonna write it out and sure if, and if if and if he fades and you know ends up regressing to his expected stats, okay, we had some good times, no big deal uh when and when I say an obviously an obvious sell high, like somebody mentioned on Twitter to me the other day they they traded Cody Bellinger for Austin Riley, okay, yeah, I do that yeah, obviously um yep. but like you know uh, he's been productive enough for the, all the time he's been healthy this year after you know a myriad. Swing changes. He was again making this offseason, and the strikeout rate is way down. So, like, he's clearly doing things differently mm-hmm. than he did his last couple years with the Dodgers. Um, and he steals some bases, which helps. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably just going to ride it out with Cody Bellinger. But like, I understand the reasons for skepticism. Right. I I, I think to address the broader issue because it's something I brought up a couple times last week, Frank. Like with Say a Suzuki on the other end. Oh, the expect the. The quality of contact looks great, but I'm still just kind of like, yeah, but we still haven't really seen anything from him, so I'm kind of over it. I, I think we're at a I'm at a point where the most important single thing to evaluate with the hitter is how hard he hits the ball. It's it's the single most important thing. And so we cite it a lot, but it's clearly not the only thing. So if, if you make it the only thing, then you're making too much of it. But if you never pay attention to it, then you're making too little of it too.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's perfectly well said by both of you guys. And I just, I wanted to, I guess, give him a little bit more credit. Cause I feel like maybe we've been a little bit more harsh on Cody Bellinger recently. And I thought that was a really interesting note that someone pointed out to me. So uh, it's definitely, could be a possibility that, you know, this new change in approach has kind of affected some of the hard contact data for Cody Bellinger this season. Let's hit some news and notes before we get into the waiver wire, because there is a lot more news besides uh, everything else. We already mentioned from this weekend, Max Scherzer was scratched from his start Friday due to neck stiffness, but managed to make a start Sunday. And he was really, really good. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Shane McClanahan is slated to return from the IL Monday to start against the Rangers, which will make him a two-star pitcher this week and assuming health, of course. And obviously Scott, I we're throwing Shane McClanahan out there, right? All right. Fernando Tatis is day to day after twisting his ankle on Saturday. He said he felt better Sunday, but the Padres chose to play it safe. Chris, are you starting Fernando Tatis this week? Yeah, I think so. Aaron Judge took on field batting practice Friday and did some running, though not at full speed. And obviously this is good news, but he still remains without a clear timetable. Clayton Kershaw underwent an MRI on his injured shoulder and hopes to return in early August. Kevin Gosman was scratched from his start Saturday due to left-side discomfort and will not start the upcoming series against the Padres either. Scott, we don't have much information right now on Kevin Gosman, but would you bench him this week just to play it safe?
1: Well, we do know he's not expected to need an IAL stint, and he's arguably one of the top three pitchers in fantasy. So I'd probably start him unless I just had a loaded pitching staff.
0: Okay, Shohei Otani left his start Friday with a trainer in the top of the sixth inning, and he's been dealing with a blister the past few weeks, but is expected to make his next start on the mound. And guess what? He hit two more home runs this weekend because that's what Shohei Otani does. Brandon Woodruff should be ready to rejoin the Brewers rotation within the next month or so. He's been out since mid-April with a grade two subscapular strain. Cedric Mullins left Saturday's game with tightness in his right quad and was out of the lineup Sunday. Chris, would you bench Cedric Mullins this upcoming week?
2: Uh, I'm more inclined to do that than with Fernando Tatis. Okay.
0: Framber Valdez was removed from Saturday's start with an apparent injury. We haven't really heard what that injury was, or maybe it did come out and I didn't see it. Did you guys see anything about Framber Valdez?
2: No, I didn't see anything. No, I didn't.
0: No. It was uh, weird. Yeah. He was already up to 103 pitches. So I don't know. It doesn't make that much sense he had 13 strikeouts you know he I think he still gave up five runs but uh yeah kind of weird situation there with Valdez just a weird it was a calf cramp gotcha so doesn't sound like he's been kind of weird
2: this year I wrote about that in today's in Monday's newsletter but he's uh still a high ground ball rate guy but no longer by far and away the best but he's getting a bunch more strikeouts and it's like all in all I think the trade-off is you know level there's a term I'm thinking of, uh, but Neutral? it's made him a different pitcher. Yeah, I think he's a different type of very, very good pitcher. I think you can make a case for him
0: as a top five starting pitcher in fantasy right now, though, with the strikeouts being up. The problem with Framber Valdez is that he actually allows a lot of hard contact this yeah. season, but mm-hmm. it's kind of been neutralized by him getting more whiffs. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, it's led to his best season yet. Chris Sale will throw his first bullpen session Tuesday, the... Uh, first time throwing off a mound since going on the aisle in June. He's eligible to return early in August. Jordan Romano underwent an MRI on his lower back, which came back clean on Saturday. Jimmy Garcia, or rather, I looked at the pronunciation guy. I didn't realize this. It's Jimmy Garcia, so... Learn something new. Uh, He picked up the save on Saturday and then Eric Swanson picked up the save on Sunday. So if you're thanks for the clarity, Blue Jays, really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, Swanson pitched in the eighth inning on Saturday Mm -hmm. in a one run game at the time facing the top of the D-backs lineup. So if I was speculating on one, I would go with Swanson personally, but we'll see. Aroldis Chapman picked up his first save with the Rangers on Saturday, and after the game, Bruce Bochy said Chapman and Will Smith will share closer duties based on matchups moving forward, which is obviously not the best thing for fantasy, but...
2: And just super helpful for trying to predict when, you know, they're both lefties, so which, which yeah. matchups are they talking about? Yeah, that's fair. Interesting.
1: I don't know. I See, usually pick wrong when I say this, but I I'm gonna guess Will Smith at least for now gets the majority of the chances because because Chapman worked in a blowout Friday and normally you don't do that with your highest leverage guy.
0: Uh, Hunter Harvey felt soreness in his right forearm and triceps on Saturday, but X-rays came back negative. It sounds like he is likely to land on the IL, and I would guess Kyle Finnegan will jump back into the closer's role for as long as he's on the team. Uh, it makes perfect sense that the Nationals will be sellers at the deadline. Salvador Perez left Sunday with a hamstring strain. He'll undergo f- further testing to determine the severity of the issue. Scott, would you bench Salvador Perez this week?
1: Yeah, I think based on what we know now, you have to.
0: Yep. Uh, Eloy Jimenez. Stop me if you've heard this before. He left Sunday with groin tightness and expects to miss the next four to five days at the least. Chris, I feel like this is a easy bench on Eloy, right? Yeah, given the way things work
2: and the fact that they're already talking about him missing most of the week, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep, Tyler O'Neill could return from the IL sometime this week. Estery Ruiz, who's on the IL with a right shoulder subluxation, has resumed hitting off a tee and is further along than expected. Tommy Edmond received an injection in his right wrist uh, during the All Star break and he is currently shut down from swinging for the next few days. Michael Waka has not resumed playing catch since. Uh, landing on the IL July 4th with right shoulder inflammation. Hunter Green threw off a mound at the Reds' training complex, and it sounds like he could be back in August. Nick Lodolo shed his walking boot and has also been playing catch. He's expected to return sometime in August as well. Edward Cabrera threw a five-inning simulated game Thursday and could rejoin the Marlins soon. It's kind of a key one, because
2: he was showing real signs of figuring it out the last like month or so before... Uh, suffering the injury. So hopefully he's okay and can keep the walks down because that was there there appeared to be a turn uh,
0: being made. So the Marlins don't have a listed pitcher for Tuesday. I saw some speculation he might pitch in that game. So we'll see. With Edward Cabrera. Kyle Wright is close to being cleared to throw off a mound, and he's been sidelined the past two months with a strained right shoulder. Chris, how would you rank Ladolo, Edward Cabrera, and Kyle Wright just as stash candidates?
2: I think I would go Cabrera, Ladolo, Wright, just because I think, I mean, Cabrera is a lot closer to them. And yeah, the, the numbers I wanted to mention 30% strikeout rate. walk rate over his final seven starts before the injury. So I think um, if he can keep the walk rate to like 9%, which is a little higher than average, I think he's going to be really good.
0: Logan T. Allen will return to the Guardians rotation Tuesday and start against the Pirates. He's 31% rostered. Jose Quintana will make his Mets debut Tuesday against the White Sox. And he had a 4.60 ERA in 15 and two thirds innings pitched during his rehab assignment. He is 17 percent rostered for those in deeper leagues. Scott, who would you rather just take a shot on? I guess uh, Logan Allen or Jose Quintana,
1: or neither. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 not sure it's a must in either case. If you did specify for deeper leagues, though, um, eh, I'm gonna say. Logan Allen. I think so but too. Keep an eye on Quintana. Like, I'm, Logan Allen has more upside. Quintana, the reason I hesitate is because if we are talking deeper leagues, and sometimes just, you know, a, a, a mediocre inning feeder yeah. is fine. And that's mild confidence. Right. <laughs> that's, that's likely what Quintana is going to be.
0: Remember the name. Mason Miller was recently evaluated and has progressed to throwing on flat ground. He's been out since May 11th with a mild UCL spring. Uh, Do you remember this name? Brendan Rogers? He will start a rehab assignment at High A on Monday. He had surgery to repair a torn labrum in his left shoulder way back in spring training. Uh, He's 7% rostered. Chris, do you have any interest in stashing Brendan Rogers in deeper leagues?
2: Uh, I can't say I have much interest it's probably greater than zero but pretty pretty limited
0: nestor cortez will throw two live hitters on that sounds like a weird phrasing <laughs> for like they're all alive i hope right <laughs> i guess he's gonna throw live batting practice on monday and is expected to start a rehab assignment soon after that it's right.
2: like the the thriller video you know <laughs> yeah.
0: Rowdy Till has suffered a fractured finger while shagging a fly ball Saturday and will be sidelined for another three to four weeks at a minimum.
2: That injury sounded horrible. Yeah, I don't I know think if
0: you guys saw that. His seven, he had to get his nail bed
2: uh, stitched. It was 17 stitches. Ugh. Gross, 17 disgusting. 17
1: stitches in a finger?
2: Yeah. I didn't realize your finger could have 17 stitches. It sounded really gross.
1: Ugh. I didn't know a finger could have seven stitches. Gross, yeah.
0: No bueno. Uh, Frankie Montas had to be shut down for a couple days recently due to soreness in his surgically repaired right shoulder. And a few lesser prospect promotions this weekend. The Angels promoted Trey Cabbage on Friday. 26 years old. He was actually crushing it in the minors. 287 batting average with 23 homers and 24 steals. The other name is... Johan Rojas. He was promoted by the Phillies. He's an outfielder and he was batting 306 with nine home runs and 30 steals in the minors. Scott, any interest in either of these names, Trey Cabbage and Johan Rojas?
1: I don't think it's it's of near the interest of, of the prospects. I don't think either is of near the interest of the prox- prospects we talked about at the start of the show.
2: You know, the but problem with Trey think- Cabbage is you know he, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's green.
1: Hmm, I wondered where you were going with that. <laughs> Excuse me. I think they're going to make, I think looking at his strikeout rate at AAA, Major League pitchers are going to make coleslaw out of him. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Pretty well, <laughs> yes,
0: so a very high strikeout rate for Trey Cabbage. Uh, although he did have a good game on Sunday, he went three for three with a double and two RBI. Five names went to the I.L. this weekend. Jose Miranda, Kyle Freeland, Joe Adele. Anthony Rendone and Brian Anderson. Let's take our final break. And then we have 10 minutes to get through, I don't know, half the rundown. We'll do that right after this.
1: Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome back in and we do appreciate everyone hanging out here late on a Sunday night, 532 people. Uh, Hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Some waiver wire pitchers. This first group includes Kyle Bradish, who was excellent on Sunday, seven and a third shutout innings with eight strikeouts up against the Marlins. Dean Kramer picked up his 10th win on Friday, six innings of one run ball with eight strikeouts for him. Uh, Michael Lorenzen has posted back to back scoreless starts and JP Sears had had a solid outing up against the twins, six and a third innings, three runs, seven strikeouts with 19 swinging strikes this weekend. Scott, how do you rank that group? JP Sears, Michael Lorenzen, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Bradish.
1: Well, the two Orioles pitchers are definitely at the top because they pitch for the Orioles and not like, you know, a bad team. Dean Kramer, <laughs> as you pointed out, has 10 wins. Uh, Bradish is definitely number one. Bradish is allowed two earned runs or fewer in six straight starts as the RA has gone from 425 to 305 during that stretch. And I mean, Kramer's kind of interesting, too. He's been getting a lot more whiffs his last couple starts, kind of changing up his pitch mix, playing the fastball off the cutter better. Um, I know Lance Brosdowski had some interesting things to say about that if you want to check out his Twitter feed or his Substack, stack. But, um, yeah, those two, number one and two, Bradish Kramer, and then I'll go Sears three because I think he's a good pitcher, but only one win on the season because he pitches for a really bad team. And then uh, Lorenzen, four, he's pretty much just a matchup play. He does have a good matchup coming up next, though, against the Royals.
0: Yes. Michael Lorenzen, 41% rostered at the Royals this week. Waiver wire Pitchers, part two. Graham Ashcraft has allowed exactly one earned run in each of his last three starts. Johan Oviedo tied a career high with 10 strikeouts against the Giants. And Clark Schmidt turned in a quality start in Coors Field this weekend. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes for him. Chris, any interest in this group? Clark Schmidt, Johan Oviedo, and Graham Ashcraft.
2: No, I like Ashcraft, I get it. There was some hype, but I I think even at 28% roster, that's probably about as high as he needs to go. Oviedo's weird because he's had the two big strikeout games now. He had one uh, in April, I think, with 10 strikeouts as well. He's one of only 32 pitchers with at least two starts of 10 strikeouts or more of those 32 pitchers. He ranks 31st in overall strikeout rate at 20%, which is below average. So it's like the two big strikeout games and then nothing else. So I I don't think there's much there, but you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't really think so. Um, And then Schmidt, I don't think you can trust good starts at Course Field, just like I don't think bad starts at Course Field tell you much. It's just too different of an environment, so I'm not I don't take much from that either.
0: With Clark Schmidt, he does have a strong matchup this week as well, going up against the Kansas City Royals. He does have RP eligibility on CBS, so if you do play in a points league and you want to Kind of chase that matchup. I think it's fine with Clark Schmidt. Waiver wire hitters, three names in the middle infield. We've got CJ Abrams, multiple hits on Friday and Saturday. He added a home run and two steals and has been leading off consistently for the Nationals. Zach Geloff, his first weekend with the A's, he had four hits and two steals. He's got seven home games this upcoming week. And Gene Segura went three for four with a run and RBI on Saturday. And he's batting 333 over his last 15 games. Scott, how would you rank those three middle infielders? Abrams, Geloff, and Gene Segura.
1: I'd rank them exactly as you have them listed here. Abrams, Geloff, and Segura. I think I think Abrams is pretty mid. He's Mid in the way that uh, Bryson Stott is mid. He's kind of like the ultimate mid-middle infielder in my mind. <laughs> Bryson Stott and, and maybe Adrian Abrams is, is in that same category. But we were promised big things on the base paths from Abrams when he was a prospect. He's, he has 16 steals on the season now. Seven of them have come in his last seven games. So if... If that becomes more than just a blip and Abrams can turn into this like 40 steel guy, then he'll be more than mid. So there, there's something, there's something more there potentially. Also, he has multiple hits in five or six
2: games since turning into the leadoff spot. So that's something. I don't think it's
0: a ton, but it's something. It is something indeed. Three corner infielders, Jake Berger back-to-back games with a Homer. Um, and perhaps he's getting ready to go on one of those runs. We you know, you know, power hitters can be pretty streaky. He's got 21 home runs this season. CJ Crone back-to-back games with a home run as well, including a grand slam on Sunday. And Tristan Casas, homered in each game this weekend. And he hits the ball hard. He barrels it up pretty consistently. Um, I don't know that he plays every day against left-handed pitchers. But, Chris, how would you rank those three corner infielders? Berger, Crone, and Casas. I think
2: I put Casas in my second half sleepers last week. So I would love to see him figure it out. Obviously, very, very talented player with some good things going on. Um, I think 39% rostered, that, that sounds about right. But if you want to take a flyer, I think there's upside. Like, Obviously, we've seen him struggle at the major league level. But I don't think the, the profile between him and Christian Encarnacion Strand is that different. It's big pop. Encarnacion probably does a better job of getting it into games, at least in the minors so far. But, like the the upside is probably not that dissimilar for Casas. So, I remain intrigued by him. I do want to go back to middle infield. Zachary Neto is pretty widely available, right? I would say uh, so. Yeah. He yeah. homered in his second game back from the IL. He's still hitting leadoff for the Angels. I just wanted to to mention him as someone who I, I do think needs to be rostered in in most. Uh, Category space leagues.
1: I want to say, too, that uh, CJ Crone has been pretty awesome since returning from the IL. 313 with three home runs in 14 games since coming back. And obviously, you know, he was he's been pretty high ended fantasy since joining the Rockies. So I, I don't know that anything's changed there, even though people are kind of ignoring him
0: for the outfield i've got names in five outfielder leagues and um some deeper names but i, I think they're all pretty interesting carrie carpenter hit his ninth home run on friday and then added a double dong on saturday dane myers went three for three with a walk and an rbi on sunday he was someone that scott spoke extensively about on friday's podcast as well drew waters went two for four with his third home run sunday and over his last 19 games he's batting 333 with all three of those home runs and four steals he's hitting the ball very hard during that time. And Chaz McCormick had a huge weekend, seven hits, three homers, a double dong on Sunday, and he's batting 280 overall, 11 homers, nine steals, and an 887 OPS. Scott, how would you rank these uh, deep league outfielders? Kerry Carpenter, Dane, My- uh, Dane Myers, Drew Waters, and Chaz McCormick.
1: Exactly as you've listed them here, Carpenter, Myers, Waters, McCormick. I think Myers might have the most upside of the group. It's just, you know... Pe- he could be sent back to the minors very quickly. Jazz Chisholm comes off the IL, and they feel like they don't have a spot to play and They might just send it back to the Myers, minors. He, but he he hits the ball really hard. He was real bad in, in center field
2: uh, on Saturday. Cost them several runs. I don't know if that's actually going to matter, but
1: it was frustrating to 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 point out what I the hard contact thing. So he only went. Saturday was like his worst day of the weekend. He went one for four. But he hit three balls 104 miles per hour or harder. And he hit two 107 miles per hour harder. And, like, not many hitters are capable of doing that. And, and the exit velocity readings for Dane Myers and the Miners were good as well. So I 52% I do, hard hit rate in AAA. I think he's very interesting, and I hope they can find a spot for him. But since I'm not sure of it, I will rank Kerry Carpenter ahead of him, who... I mean, he just keeps hitting home runs. He's going like to be in the minors. I don't he's going to be really good. He's just
2: not going to play against lefties. that That's the only thing holding Kerry Carpenter back is they're just, they've shown no willingness to play him against lefties. I think he has 19 plate appearances against them all season, but I
0: think he's good. He hits the ball hard too. 91.2 mm-hmm. average exit velocity, 13.7% barrel rate for Kerry Carpenter. And according to Scott's Sleeper Hitters article, the Tigers have the third best hitter matchups this week. So...
1: That's true. There you go. He's not in there because he hadn't had the three homer weekend <laughs> yet. But maybe he should be.
0: Let's wrap up. How many lefties
1: up. are they facing? Uh, that's a good question. I'll, I'll look it up while you keep going.
0: Okay. Some pitching standouts from the weekend. A few leftovers here. The first group includes you Darvish, uh, Julio Arias, Corbin Burns who had a 13 strikeout performance this weekend and Charlie Morton who is making me look foolish for calling him a second half bust. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Morton Burns, Arias, and you Darvish from this weekend. Uh,
2: In Burns' case, obviously, I still rank him, I think, as a top five starting pitcher. If not, he's six or something. So I still expect big things, so it was good to see that. Uh, Was there anything in the pitch profile... He threw more curveballs in the start. Yeah, the curveball's actually been really good um, in in this start especially. And yeah, numbers in July so far, it's only three starts, but 26 strikeouts in 19
1: innings. Very impressive. So hopefully he keeps this up.
0: Pitching! Scott, see at
1: least two lefties on the schedule for the Tigers. There's a couple TBAs there that I'm not sure about. So that takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails there. Darn.
0: All right. Well, we tried. Kerry Carpenter. Yeah, Pitching. I think Snell might
1: go in that series. So, yeah, it might be three lefties in a seven-game week. Good to know.
0: Yeah, that's not great. Pitching standouts, part two. Eduardo Rodriguez pitched well at the Mariners. Five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. He had 11 swinging strikes. His velocity was up across the board. Freddy Peralta had a strong start at the Reds. Six shutout innings with six strikeouts for him. Kodai Senga, another great start against the Dodgers. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts there. And uh, Framber Valdez tied a career high with 13 strikeouts though it was an uneven start. He allowed five runs over six and a third innings. Scott, anything on Valdez, Kodai Senga, Freddy Peralta, and Erod?
1: Well, I actually considered making Senga my my oh-my-goodness-gracious player of the weekend because I feel like he's turned a corner here, and it has a lot to do with him cutting way down on the walks. Mm -hmm. So his last five starts... uh, Let me put it this way. His first 12 starts... Kodai Senga five point six walks per nine, five point six last five starts, two point six, ah. big difference. And suddenly the overall numbers are looking pretty swell. So he might be he might be verging on must start status at this point.
0: Let's go, Kodai Senga. You love to see it. Pitching standouts part three. Dylan Cease was inefficient but did some interesting things at the Braves. Five innings, one run, six strikeouts with. 16, no, 19 swinging strikes, and his velocity was way up across the board. Tanner Bybee has allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight starts. Garrett Cole had his third double-digit strikeout start of the season at Coors Field. He had 11 strikeouts. And Max Scherzer was great on Sunday against the Dodgers. Seven shutout innings, only one hit allowed, six strikeouts with 11 swinging strikes. Chris, anything on Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Tanner Bybee, and Dylan Cease?
2: I think it was just really good to see Scherzer after being scratched, come out and have a good start. His velocity was more or less where it's been all season. So I don't think there's anything concerning there. You know, it wasn't a big swing and miss game, but it was, it was an impressive start, I think,
1: nonetheless. For and you know, I want to point out for Tanner Bybee. So against the Rangers, he had this great start with 17 swinging strikes. His slider was up 1.8 miles per hour. Two starts ago, he also had his slider up in velocity by a similar amount, and he had nine strikeouts in that game. So I don't know what's going on with the slider, but when it's up in velocity, good things seem to happen for Tanner Bybee. Hopefully he can, uh, he can keep that velocity. I don't know what happened in that in-between start when the velocity wasn't up on the slider, but two out of three, it's looking really good.
0: Yeah, and that slider was fantastic in that start. Nine whiffs with a 32% CSW this weekend. Uh, Not going to run through all the hitting leftovers, Chris, but I know you wanted to mention Masataki Yoshida, who had a huge game on Sunday. He went three for five with his 11th home run. He added six RBI. He had four hard hits in the game, and his home run, 110 exit velocity, and he hit it off a lefty, left on left, so... Yeah,
2: he is on a a heck of a heater right now. He had multiple hits in eight straight games before going hitless on Saturday and then followed it up with three hits on Sunday. He's been outrageously good. Uh, even has three steals over the past 10 games while you know also hitting three home runs. So it's been uh very, very impressive. I think he looks like a must start outfielder moving forward. You know, I it's not like a huge five by five uh ceiling because he's you know, the power's not gonna be huge still and, and the stolen bases, I don't know if we we trust this, but uh
0: very, very good to see for him. Especially in and, points and leagues, too. He is so dominant in that
1: format. Mm-hmm. If I could highlight something from this list, Henry Davis had a big weekend. He's still available in a quarter of CBS leagues. Had six hits, a home run, a steal, and a lot of hard hit balls. That I think I think I saw at least three that were hit about hundred eight miles per hour. So that's I feel like Henry Davis is trending a good direction and might be startable even in the outfield. Uh, but of course, hes you'd rather start him a catcher.
0: Masataka Yoshida averaging 3.4 fantasy points per game. That is tied for 10th best at the outfield position this season. A few bullpen updates for the Rockies on Friday. Not a safe situation, but Daniel Bard pitched in the 8th inning with a 4-run lead, and then Justin uh, Lawrence pitched in the ninth with a 5-run lead. And then on Sunday, uh, Daniel Barr did get the save opportunity, a two-run game, and he promptly gave up two runs, uh, though there was some pretty bad defense behind him as well. For the the Tigers on Friday, Jason Foley pitched in the eighth inning with a three-run lead. He gave up one run. Alex Lang then gave up a run in the ninth, but picked up his 14th save. There was a rough patch there for Alex Lang, but it seems like they have a good amount of confidence in him, so uh, I thought for a while Jason Foley might get a shot, but doesn't look like that's gonna happen for the Rangers on Saturday we mentioned earlier uh, Will Smith pitched in the seventh and eighth innings and a to Chapman picked up his third save he pitched in the ninth and then on Sunday Chapman was unavailable because he pitched Friday and Saturday and Will Smith picked up his 16th save of the season let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream and on Monday are you guys gonna do it Grayson Rodriguez first uh first <laughs> game back against the Dodgers Uh, probably Probably not not. but let's see who else (laughs) you're gonna
1: make me choose from here
0: there's not much I mean Michaelis against the Marlins maybe yeah that's fine
1: that's an easy it's kind of a weird situation because Michaelis started over the weekend only went three innings uh, because it was the rains came so he was pulled so it's a quick turnaround here but good matchup against the Marlins and he's been pitching well of late so I'd go with Michaelis over Grayson for sure
0: how about Matt Manning at the Royals Ugh. My
2: my line has become there are basically no right-handed pitchers I wouldn't start against the Royals. They've just been so bad, and now Salvador Perez may not start tomorrow. So True. I don't mm-hmm. expect much from Matt Manning in a vacuum, but against this matchup, I think he could be fine.
1: Coming off six and two-thirds no-hit innings. I mean, come on.
0: Uh, Griffin Canning at, the, uh, at home against the Yankees. I'll throw that out there, too. I mean, that lineup without Judge has been pretty bad, so... I think that's fine. On Tuesday, looking up and down the list, oh, this is um, doesn't feel very great. I'm I'm putting Logan
2: Allen in my lineup in uh, TGFBI. He was dropped and I picked him up this week, and uh, I'm throwing him out there against Pittsburgh.
0: I think Brian Wu versus the Twins is fine. Yeah,
2: yeah they
1: yeah, strike out more than any team in baseball. I think, and they're the okay. Really, I didn't know I that. Think but so. I think they're in the bottom third in runs scored, so like the Twins is a good matchup for pitchers. And Wu has obviously been very steady, apart from that disastrous debut.
0: All right. Uh, so we had Logan Allen, Brian Wu. One more Carrasco versus the White Sox. Maybe I don't
1: know. Yeah, that one's okay.
0: Uh, Twin
2: strikeout rate as a team is up to twenty-seven percent.
0: I'm looking at it against right-handed pitching. It's that's wild. It's the highest in baseball, twenty-seven percent. So yeah, it's a it's a good call oh, there. That's they had worst of the worst OPS. They that's have the, high, be one of the
1: highest ever. The Twins have the highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers. You said, yeah, twenty-seven percent. They also have the lowest OPS against left-handed pitchers. I know, so they're <laughs> they're uh, translation. They're a good, that's, no matter that's, what the handedness of the pitcher, they're a good matchup. That's how you have the best pitching
2: staff in baseball, as the Twins do right now, and are not in first place in the worst division
0: in baseball. That would make sense. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye.